0: Coming up on today's show, Cyberpunk puts out another update, Capcom is being sneaky about something, and Horizon Forbidden West reviews are finally here. And Welcome to another episode of the <laughs> Podcast. I love your it. your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every single Friday. I'm one of your hosts, Brittany Brombacher, alongside the red-headed wonder, not Aloy, but Andrea Renee. What's good, Britt? Hey, Boo, I'm passing the show back off to you now.
1: Oh, I love it when you do the open, though. We gotta yeah. do it more often, I think. It's You're It's fun. Just- you're just so good at it, and I think the people the people like a, a little break from the monotony of Andrew Rene's voice. But um, welcome to the show, everybody. We are glad that you are here for episode 263 of the What's Good Games podcast. Can you believe it? 263 episodes. Wow,
0: we've been around a long time, Andrew. We've been around the block. We've seen some shit in our day.
1: That is that is the truth indeed. Uh, we've got some fun news to get to this week, but before we do that, I wanna say thank you to Chewy's Godson, Alex Ogopoulas, David Icolucci, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, Matthew Guderian, and Punctified for being our Patreon producers. And welcome to the Patreon community. Ollie Pop and Stephen Jay. Of course, if you wanna support the show, Patreon.com whatsgoodgames what's good games is the place to do that. But if you don't have some dollar bucks, To throw our way, perhaps you have some time, a few minutes, out of your day to leave a five-star review, which these lovely people did.
0: Super Rice Power, Sunnyside Secretariat, I think I said that right, they left us, Andrea, a fine recipe for Alfredo sauce. I saw that. I was like, thanks. You know what? I'm not even mad, though. It's a five-star review. So I don't know if you got your wires crossed, Sunnyside, but you know what? We'll take it. And I maybe I'll try your sauce. Who could say? Colleen 2080, May the Bidus Fan. I, fair enough. Ranger Truett and Dark Washer. Wow. I love you all. But damn, these names threw me through it for a loop <laughs> this week. But thank you all so much for the five-star reviews. We really
1: appreciate them. Bunches. We do. And we also are asking if you feel like doing just a little bit more. We're conducting two surveys. One is through our partners over at Rooster Teeth. You can find the link in our show notes, whether you're watching on youtube.com slash what's good games or on your favorite podcast platform. And we're also doing a survey over on our Discord. So if you're part of the What's Good Games Discord, we're doing a survey there as well. So if you're like, hey, I'm down to help the ladies out and give them my opinions on some things, we would greatly appreciate your time filling out those surveys. Hopefully it shouldn't be more than a couple minutes and uh, it would help us out. So thank you to everybody who has done that so far. And I want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by MeUndies and Fixture Gaming, but we'll talk more about that later. Brittany, we've got a couple news stories here before we get into some meaty video game talk. And this one I saw all over my Twitter timeline over the last couple of days. Everybody talking about what they played on the Wii U and the 3DS. Did you end up doing this thing that Nintendo is is, um, promoting? I did not. No. So not do that. we'll talk about what I found in just a second. But the headline is Nintendo will end eShop purchases for Wii U and 3DS next year. So this story comes from Game Informer. They say that more specifically, it will no longer be possible to make eShop purchases on these two consoles after late March 2023. Of course, this is a blow to digital game preservation, as once this goes into effect, the only way to purchase games on both the Wii U and the 3DS will be physically. That means you actually have to go to a store or buy a disc from somebody online. And by disc, I mean, you know, the the little cards. If previous digital storefront shutdowns like this are any indication, those physical game prices are about to skyrocket, as a lot of Nintendo physical goods do. Uh, Quote, it will no longer be possible to download free content, including game demos Nintendo writes on its website as of August 29th 2022 it will no longer be possible to use a Nintendo eShop card to add funds to an account in the Nintendo eShop in the Wii U or the Nintendo 3DS family of systems however it will still be possible to redeem codes until late March 2023 so they're giving I think people here plenty of time this is a full year of time to kind of get your 3DS and Wii U house in order I don't think it's honestly shocking that they're doing this. The Switch has been around for five years now, which is kind of wild to to kind of acknowledge. But I do recognize that we as an industry need Uh to be more cognizant and be doing more about digital preservation.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's the really frustrating part about all of this is I understand that the amount of people who actually probably... Take advantage of the Wii U's digital library and the 3DS and all of those, like probably a small, small amount, but there's still people out there. And regardless, like you said, it comes down to these games. And I think of these games that you worry you're never going to be able to really get hands on with again. And I think about Earthbound. And granted, like that was just announced last, that was just last week, that feels like ages ago. But if, you know, if Earthbound wasn't brought to the Switch and you didn't have a Wii U or whatnot, like, how do you play a game like that? Like, in my opinion, it's just like it's it's a masterpiece of a video game. And I think that's like the really scary part. And Nintendo also just, you know, we talk about them doing cartwheels in their own universe all the time. And you know, we've been talking about oh God, Gary Bowser, I think his name was. The remember the guy that did all the pirating and whatnot. And mm-hmm. he uh mm-hmm. he just got sentenced to three years in prison and I think he got fined like some ridiculous amount of money. Like Don't steal kids. Don't steal. It was like four four million dollars he was also fined and that's because he was making these like yeah. chipsets and he was doing pirating shit. Anyway,
1: Is he like, even gonna like, ever be able to pay that? That seems like a lot of money. No, absolutely not. He's gonna probably have to like rake leaves
0: and shit for the rest of his life. <laughs> I mean I oh, like what the hell would you do about that? But yeah, <gasps> I mean it, it's it's just a It's a hard, hard thing, and that is what she said. But I just wish, you know, that Nintendo would get their shit together and make their Nintendo online service offering worthy of something. That service has been around for several years now, and, like, it's shit. Like, there's some good games on there, sure. But I I just don't understand, like, why the offering isn't better. I don't don't get it. I
1: don't know. It just... (sighs) Andrea. I feel you. Yeah, it's been a constant complaint slash issue with nintendo like but obviously we all keep yeah. buying into the ecosystem because we all love nintendo oh, but yeah. i i'm not surprised that this is happening now so i do like that they're giving people plenty of time mm-hmm. to kind of get their house in order because sometimes when you look at other companies like playstation has done this semi recently it feels like that period isn't as long and <laughs> then i remember with I think it was with the either with the Vita or the PS3 they like changed their mind after they oh, did yeah. it. They were like, actually it turns out it looks like a lot of you are still buying stuff. We're gonna just flip that bitch back on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It was for um the PS3, the Vita, and the PSP. They're gonna take, I think, the store off, right? And they reverse course on the Vita and the PS3, but they still shut down the PSP store. But yeah, I mean, and I think we got a question about this from Daniel Bowen. He says, We know patreon.com slash what's good games. Thank you, Daniel, for being a patron. We know Nintendo does not play the same game as the competition, aka Car Wheels in the Own Universe. We've seen <laughs> Sony make a very similar move with PS3 Vita games. Sony, as we know, changed course due to fan backlash. I think Nintendo is already putting their foot down because of the quote, My Nintendo 3DS Wii U Memories page, which they posted just after the announcement. Do y'all think there's any room for Nintendo to backtrack on this decision? Of course. Do you think they will though? I no. No. Okay, yeah, okay. No. Definitely <laughs> not. Unified.
1: Yeah. No. There's absolutely room for them to backtrack, but will they? No. That's oh, not absolutely.
0: Nintendo's vibe. <laughs> no. I can't remember the last time they backtracked on anything.
1: I honestly do not have any examples. None.
0: No, I don't either.
1: If you have one, <laughs> write to us. Tweet to yeah. us. What's good underscore games. Send us an email. Contact at whatsgoodgames.com. Let us know. I can't think of a single one where they've backtracked.
0: No. So, what was this memory thing you were talking about that everyone was doing? I think I saw people doing it, but I did not partake.
1: So, they have, uh, so if you go to twitter.com slash Nintendo America, you can find, or you can probably just Google it. Um, they have this thing called Memories for My Nintendo 3DS and Wii U. You can look at a variety of statistics. So you go, you click on the link, and it takes you to like a subset of the Nintendo website. You like log into your Nintendo account, and it shows you your top three played games on each system and how many hours you spent on those systems oh. with each game but the kicker is like you had to have been logged in to your nintendo account on those systems in order for it to track cuz i logged into my wii u or i logged in and did it and my wii u said like i had like 12 hours on the system and i was like that's not right
0: <laughs> no I, no okay yeah i think i'm i'm getting mine looked at right now too so, so okay, and i looked at my
1: these. 3ds and it was like i only had like 167 hours and i was like that's definitely not right <laughs> Okay, and Surprising. it said my most played game was the the Me Street Plaza, which might be accurate, <laughs> but uh, it oh, only said I played U. like twelve hours of Zelda, and I was like, that's not that's not correct. So. Okay, so
0: I'm looking at mine. All right, so I played. It says 104 total hours on the Wii U. Total titles played: 24. My most played: Earthbound for 44 hours. Shocking. Makes, shocking. Absolutely no one followed by Super Mario 3D World for 19 hours. Okay. That's fun, but also, like, I don't know if I would load those stats. I don't know if I would share those stats, Nintendo. It's kind of like your most failed console of all time. It's
1: fine. <laughs> but what does your 3DS say?
0: 221 hours of total playtime.
1: See, that seems low, right?
0: It seems low. Yeah, especially all the traveling that I did with that. But my most played game, surprisingly no one, Harvest Moon, A New Beginning, 74 hours, followed by nice. Fire Emblem Awakening for 46 hours, followed by Pokemon X for 35 hours. Yeah, that sounds right, though. I mean, shit.
1: Yeah. I feel like when I think about Wii U, but more so 3DS, like Nintendo's online infrastructure today is not great, but back then it was like non-existent. So I don't mm-hmm. even think I had a Nintendo account until like semi-recently. I think they started doing like a like rewards on the 3DS, and that's why I ended up doing it because like games you would buy in the eShop would like get you points or whatnot. And you, could, you remember you could like trade them in for stuff oh, yeah. um and so i didn't like open a nintendo account for quite some time so i didn't bother posting mine because i was like this doesn't feel like an accurate snapshot but <laughs> a friend of mine posted hers and she had like 1700 hours on her 3ds and her number one and number two were like netflix and hulu and i was like <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny shout out to kate bryant you're the you're the real one. Oh, my um, god I was just like, that feels that feels right. Um I remember watching Rainbow Bright on Netflix on my 3DS just because I could. <laughs> like
0: I mean that's a reason. That's all the reason you need to That's why it's number. so sad
1: that they still haven't brought that to the Switch. Like, what the heck, Nintendo? What's going that's on? That's what I'm saying.
0: That's what I'm saying. Andrea, Renee, it makes no sense. I don't I no. I give this company so much money, I just don't understand them. You know?
1: Yeah, it feels like part of me is like did they not bring netflix to the switch because somebody at nintendo was like no movie apps we're gonna make our own movie app oh, or God. was there <laughs> is there something else at play here I don't,
0: please, know. please don't I reinvent don't know. the wheel friends don't do it it's fine oh
1: boy um mm. uh, anywho uh on to the next story Brittany. what the heck is going on with capcom
0: Oh ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about <laughs> Capcom in my boner kill of life. So if you go to capcom-games.com/countdown, currently when we're recording this, the countdown is at 4 days and 2 hours. Now if you ask me, that is the most resin evil ass looking font I've ever seen in my goddamn life. Yeah, you know it I mean? sure
1: it sure looks like it. Yeah.
0: Oh, it, yeah, it's like this kind of like shadowy gradient like background with like this very like no bullshit font. Like, it's very simple. but And so I'm thinking, like, okay, we have Resident Evil 4 Remake Rumors. Imran just put out a fantastic article on Fanbyte about what we know about Resident Evil 4 Remake. It's all rumors, but, like, let's be real. It's all happening. And, you know, we're still waiting on Resident Evil Village DLC. And so I got my panties in a nice, tight, and twisted bundle, Andrea. And then someone nice and kindly pointed out to me that the countdown coincides with the final day of a Street Fighter tournament. And then one of the Street Fighter Twitter accounts tweeted the googly eyes while retweeting the original countdown tweet.
1: This is what the the clock is like as of the recording of the podcast.
0: Right, right. Okay, so like clearly this isn't Resident Evil. This is clearly some Street Fighter thing. So, hey. Wait, no,
1: wait. Why do you think it's a Street Fighter thing? Just because it coincides? Because it
0: coincides, so the final day lands on the final day, sorry, the timer will end on the final day of the Street Fighter Pro Tour final event, and then the Cap-Jam's Twitter account, which created music for the most recent Street Fighter games, retweeted it with googly eyes. So, like, hey, the signs point to not Resident Evil
1: that's what the signs
0: point to. And so I'm just going to kind of like wave my little flag and be like, all right, like I got really hyped for a minute there, but like, this would be a really surprising, it could still happen. It could still like blow me away and be a resident evil reveal. Maybe it's like code Veronica remake, (laughs) but uh, I don't think it is. So we'll find out soon enough, but you know what I mean? All signs point to a dog.
1: Well, you know, I feel like you aren't wrong in thinking that this maybe isn't Resident Evil; that it's something else. Because let's be real, we've gotten a lot of Resident Evil in the last like eighteen to twenty-four months, like a lot. I mean, so much so that one Brittany Brombacher hosted not one but two Resident Evil showcases last year. Yeah, so we haven't heard anything new from Street Fighter. In a hot fucking minute. And when I say new, I mean like new. Not like the like 17th fucking iteration of Street Fighter 3, right? Like, or whatever. Street Fighter 4. Um, I mean like, some, like a brand new, like Street Fighter 6, right? Like where's that game?
0: That, that, this is probably that. And so I'll just kind of, you know, sulk away Andrea, I'll just hang my head low, find a dark corner, and say. but like real talk, like I can't be upset. We've gotten so much Resident Evil. I mean, we got the remake, we got Resident Evil Three, we got Village. We have confirmation of Village DLC. Fully believe this Resident Evil Four remake is coming. Like it's supposed to be announced. I mean, listen, I, Imran's a credible dude, so I believe his reporting for Fanbyte probably be announced somewhat soon. It's a I sound so. F- I sound like one of those presenters. I sound like Phil Spencer on the Xbox stage. It's a great time to be a Resident Evil fan, but it really is so much great content. So we can't have everything.
1: Yeah, the we movie just it- came out.
0: Yeah. Wait. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. We forget about that. We don't talk about that, Andrew. We don't <laughs> talk about the movie. We don't. We don't talk about the movie. So like you know, we I can't be too greedy. So I'm going to step away and let the Street Fighter fan base have their shenaniganry.
1: Curtis, it has me. been six. It has been six years since Street Fighter Five came out.
0: Okay, see? See, y'all are due. I want you guys and, and gals and all to feel the hype that I feel for Resident Evil, but for Street Fighter. And, like, I was thinking about this. And if this really was a Resident Evil reveal, do you do a countdown like this? Do you really? I feel like, I don't know what you do. I don't know if you do this kind of countdown, though. I feel like you could just tweet out, like, join us, at for this epic Resident Evil thing. And then you just get all the hype going. And I don't know.
1: Considering the wave that they're riding on Resident Evil uh, in the wake of Village and the success of RE2 and RE3 remakes, yeah. yeah. I think that you're right, that they don't really yeah. need to be like six days worth of hype.
0: Yeah. It definitely yeah, feels yeah. like
1: something different. Yeah.
0: So. This, so the timing, I think, works out good for,
1: this, for the Street Fighter community.
0: So there's
1: that. I think that's what they're up to, Andrea. All right. Well, uh, by the podcast next week we will know what they will be uh, what they will be revealing. Yeah. Um there it is interesting how we have a couple we had a couple questions that people wrote in. Uh, Daniel Hall says, Hey Bromber Rocket Docker, <laughs> Brom Bromborough Rocket? No, I don't know.
0: Brom, a Docker?
1: I don't know. Daniel Hall, you are a creative person. Uh, speaking of Capcom's <laughs> countdown, are you hosting the next Resident Evil showcase? Also, when is it? Don't worry, I won't tell anyone. <laughs>
0: I hope so. Listen, Capcom, I'm still here. I'm still readily available to talk about Resident Evil. That's like real talk. When I saw that countdown, I was like, God Goddamn! If they fucking hired another host to do their next Resident Evil showcase,
1: why I'm would not they? There.
0: I mean, I don't know. I don't know. See, Andrew, I've hosted two showcases now, you see. So my rate, my rate for hire is just absolutely exponential. Like, no one can afford me now. You know what I mean? It's just. I don't know why you're still
1: doing this podcast. I don't know either for the
0: pennies that we make. You should be paying me, Andrew, to co-host this with you. No, but for real. I mean, I think I am. (laughs) I think we're paying each other. I think that's how this works.
1: (laughs) And nothing but love and affection and baby text messages about, mostly about boobs. Not going to lie, everybody. Oh, yeah. We had a good conversation. Or uh, text about our boobs. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, moving on, since we don't have any news, we will have news on next week's show. Uh, But what there is no shortage of news on is this whopper of a update that came finally for a cyberpunk 2077 the ps5 and xbox series x and s versions are finally out for this game and it kind of makes you think hmm Maybe the game should have been delayed a little bit longer because this is a meaty, meaty update. So um, thanks for pulling this. This comes from IGN. The long-awaited upgrades for Cyberpunk 2077 via CD Projekt Red are being released this week. The game is also getting a free trial version, which is smart of them, free DLC, which CD Projekt Red is known for doing, and a huge 50-gigabyte 1.5 patch for all platforms so the xbox version will be a patch upgrade ps5 users though are going to need to download an entirely new version of the game and transfer any existing save data from the ps4 edition that to me seems dangerous (laughs) um but the ps5 and xbox series x games will offer performance Um, Enhancing modes So they have A prioritization For 60 frames per second Or ray tracing While the Xbox Series X Or excuse me Series S That always trips me up Even now uh, Will offer a single 30 frames per second 1440p mode So Brittany, you – looks like you kind of cherry-picked some features. you want to go over those ones? I started
0: cherry-picking, yeah, and then I realized how massive this list was, and then I gave up. But here's, like, the first, like, 9 or 10 or so that I was like, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. All right. The first one is the ability to change your character's basic appearance in the mirror of their home apartment, including new options for hair and makeup. Thank you. I appreciate that. New weaponry to buy from Wilson's gun store added after you meet Takamura in the game story – Okay, that's cool. Perks have been rethought with reworked perk trees, and in-progress saves will be given all of their perk points back to be able to redistribute them. I think that's a pretty, like, huge fucking deal that you've renamed and redone your perk trees. Like, wow. Okay, next. NPC AI has also been altered with the goal of making NPC enemies more clever and more effective in combat. NPCs both on foot and in cars will panic more realistically when faced with dangerous situations. And I also read an in-depth article about that, and CDPR basically said that they thought the PS4 and the Xbox One just wasn't powerful enough to handle the AI technology that they have now implemented.
1: It's almost like we all knew that, but that they (laughs) just decided to release it on last-gen consoles because... They were like, well, we told everyone we were going to. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of how that works. Yeah. <laughs> you got you to release it or you just got to be honest and say, hey, the game's not going to work. I think uh, it's hard to know how people would have reacted if they just came out and said, actually, the game's too ambitious for last gen tech. We just have to pull pre-orders for these platforms and instead focus on these new consoles and PC only. I think obviously the community would have been upset and understandably so. But I think if they had avoided the fiasco, which then came afterwards, I don't know what would have been worse. I think I I have to imagine what happened was worse than them if they had just pulled it.
0: Oh, 100%. I 100% agree with you. I think if they had said, like, guess what? We're sorry. It's not going to work after all. They would have saved face and I think earned a lot of trust back with the community. I think what happened instead is honestly kind of a historical moment where one of like the most hyped games for so long, just like, and I've said, I thought this game was, it was fun. It was enjoyable. It was good. I enjoyed my time with it. But when you compare it to the hype that it had, it, it flopped. And that's, it, it's so, it, it, anyway. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think it would have been a much better move for them strategically had they just delayed it. Sure, the investors, sure, the the big wigs in the top on their leather chairs and their expensive ass cigars would have been upset. But I think from a community perspective, it would have saved face and it would have looked a lot better. But communities love transparency, friends. Don't forget it. Also, some Transparency is great. It is. The map can now be decluttered with filters. Thank God. I think that's just kind of like a staple in any huge map extended interactions with romance partners have been added so all of your romance partners now you get more scenes with them you can interact with them in their houses and i think that's wonderful and then finally no not finally one more uh driving has also been changed and police chases have been added and apartments can be rented when encountered in night city anyway like i was saying earlier this is a huge list like i just literally like tip of the iceberg here it's almost like a new game and it's It's odd because part of me wants to go back and replay this, but then part of me is like, I don't have the fucking time to play Horizon Forbidden West right now. Like the fact that I've managed to put in hours into that blows my mind. So it's, if this was the game that actually released, I think this is the vision CDPR had, right? For what this game was supposed to be. If this had released as it is in all of these glorious patch notes, like how would it have been received? Would it have lived up to the hype? Who knows? And I think that's what's just so kind of fascinating about this whole shenaniganery. But Andrea, I know you've mm-hmm. been waiting for this patch.
1: Yes. So I said at the beginning, after we saw what happened with the console games, that I was going to wait officially for the PS five version to come out. And that was the footage that we a little bit that we were showing um on the video of the pod on the podcast. But as you mentioned I also do not have time to play Cyberpunk now. Do I want to? Yes, I do. Because I think that there's some really great trappings of a game in there. I've heard some really good things from people who have played on PC that said, hey, this is a really phenomenal RPG. I think the world that CDPR developed deserves to be looked at. and. Knowing how they supported The Witcher 3, I anticipate that they're going to support cyberpunk in a similar manner, or at least I hope they do, because clearly they put a lot of resources into making this world. Um, And so I'm going to get to it eventually. When is the question? Because we're going to talk about horizon and just how massive horizon is in um in the next in the next segment but
0: and i know they were um, excited to push it out but it's also right now you have horizon you have elden ring like how you wonder how much that's going to cut into the cyberpunk release but
1: well i mean they didn't really give a date for when this was coming out right like they just kind of like were like it's out yeah. Which honestly true. is the, the smart move for them. It's probably the best that they didn't say like, hey, it's coming out this day and then giving themselves another deadline to work against. Just be like, hey, let's do it and keep working and keep polishing until it's ready. And then, you know, the downside to that is you can't really promote it. But what they can do now is get it out there, get it into people's hands. And then if there's still problems or bugs, they can keep tweaking And then I imagine we're going to see a physical retail release of the PS5 and Xbox Series X versions on disc at some point. And that's when they'll do like another big marketing push.
0: Yeah, it definitely needs another marketing push
1: for sure. Yeah, but it's to their benefit to not do that right now. Let it just kind of soft launch. Let people kind of test the water, see how it goes, and then they can kind of keep tweaking, keep working. And besides, they don't want to like be pushing that game out right now. It's a very crowded release window.
0: And that's what I'm saying. Yeah, there's too much going on right now. Sorry,
1: friends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We have a few more news items to get to. But before we do that, I want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by MeUndies. Imagine
0: this, friends. You're shopping and nothing fits, right? We've all been there. And finding your perfect size can be annoying. Things either fit like a glove or you're straight up not having a good time. That's why Me Undies has the softest undies, bralettes, loungewear, and more that are made to fit just right. Talk about my be Me Undies all the time. We are a Me Undies household in this household. Meundies family in this household. Households everywhere that love Meundies. I am one of those households. The Drakes are one of those households. Steimer is one of those households. It's true. We talked about yeah, and yeah, there, it's it's that thing where it's like, yeah, we're reading an ad, sure, but like literally, like my husband has bought nothing but Meundies lately. We yeah, are. Yeah, I
1: got pink. him. I got John a subscription for Meundies, and now his entire underwear drawer is just Meundies.
0: Yeah, and you know what's really fun about it is Jason's never been a flashy guy, but he loves their fun prints that they have. Like, it's like, oh, you got a pink pair of boxers with, like, sharks on him. Like, that's adorable. Normally, that's great. He'd never, yeah. That's normally not his jam, but he just loves them. So it's just a fun little perk. And I think it's a fun way for him to kind of, you know, express yourself in a way he wouldn't have without his Mandy's subscription. Anywho... MeUndies believes that comfort is about more than what's touching your skin. It's about feeling comfortable in your skin. And comfort starts with finding the perfect fit and size for you, which is why Miandes wear tests on all sizes extra small to 4XL for everything they make. They also offer different cuts for different butts, in bold colors to fun and adventurous prints. MeUndies wants you to find comfort in your size so the world can be a happier and comfier place for every booty. MeUndies promises if you're not comfortable with any product for any reason, you can return your order for a full refund within 45 days. MeUndies also has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping right to your door. So to get 15% off of your first order, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com WGG. That's MeUndies.com WGG.
1: Brittany, we still have just a couple things to talk about, and it's all about the silver screen, baby. So what this is is a bunch of quick hit news items about video game adaptations coming to television. First, HBO's The Last of Us live-action TD, TD? TV adaptation is aiming for a 2023 release. Okay. Cool. That's okay. the news. That's that's it. All right. Great. Even before season one makes its debut, Brittany, season two of Halo on Paramount Plus has already been announced. Yes, I love it. I I saw
0: that trailer. I thought the trailer looked fucking badass. It looked amazing. It looked awesome. So this is one where I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. You know, like, give us a second season. I'm just assuming it's going to kick ass.
1: I think also they're like, this is really fucking expensive. We need to amortize the cost of this production over two seasons. (laughs) So you're getting a second season. It felt like The Witcher was released tomorrow, that they announced season two, like... Before season like one. Really yeah. r- run its course. Uh, speaking of Netflix, they announced a live action film based on Bioshock, as reported by The Hollywood Reporter. Though they do say that no writer or filmmaker is currently attached to the project, the plans for the movie have been in the works for almost a year. So, and then it says also that via IGN.
0: Oh, this is th- a little reminder. A little uh, reminder. Is this about a the different last- thing? So this was a live action movie that Gore Verbinski, I believe he's also the director, director of Pirates of the Caribbean, also the director of The Ring, one of my favorite movies of all time. Anyway, he was attached to a Bioshock movie after the um, first Pirates of the Caribbean came out, and then it got mm. it got sh- shelved. Andrea, because it, it had an R rating. It had an R rating. That's what it was. And then it they're like, no, we can't have an R-rated Bioshock movie. And I say, you absolutely can. Have you you have Bioshock? to
1: have an R-rated Bioshock uh-huh. movie. Like, it yep. can't be T 14 or whatever the fuck the movie ratings are these so days. So this
0: sounds like it's round two. But that's okay.
1: PG-13, hey. that's the movie rating. This goes to show just how many movies I'm not watching these days. I'm watching TV on my streaming apps and I'm playing video games. Don't have time for movies with the baby. Um, except for Encanto, which I apparently have to watch on repeat over and over again. But not all of Encanto, just the first 15 minutes of Encanto. And let Wait, me tell really? you, I have it almost memorized.
0: What, well, did she get fussy after the first 15?
1: Yeah, so I posted a photo of me with my baby on my Instagram of us sitting on the couch. She's good to like snuggle for exactly like 10 minutes. And like <laughs> at that point, then she's like, nope, gone, goodbye, I'm done. <laughs>
0: I need my space, Mom. No one understands me. She yeah. storms off into her room and slams the door. Well, we're not at that phase yet.
1: I'm sure that phase will come for me, but we're not. We're not there, we're not there yet. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's a wonderful, you know, D- Disney movie disclaimer. Yes, my husband works for Disney, um, but. Encanto is, is great, but that's all I'm watching It's just the first 15 minutes of Encanto because I let it keep playing a little bit because I'm like, huh, I wonder what the back half of this movie is like. I've you know only what? seen it once or twice, this but is I've seen the front it. half like
0: 45 times. I mean, I haven't seen it at all. So okay. maybe you could sometime like depict it for me via words and actions. Um, I will.
1: I, you know, We don't talk about Bruno. Things. That's all you need to know.
0: <laughs> Bruno, got it. Um, I watched a brilliant movie the other day,
1: Andrea. <clears throat> oh, did you?
0: It was called Um,
1: Go on. (laughs) I
0: I think it had a budget about $3,000. Wow.
1: You know, that's a very low budget.
0: Oh, oh, it is... It is the worst. I wish I could show a
1: trailer on this show without us getting in trouble, but I can't. Oh
0: my God. I, it was on Amazon Prime Video Suggestions and I'm like, okay, you clearly you know me. And it was, <laughs> I think it's a whole bunch of college kids who got together, decided to make a movie about killer llamas from outer space that land on Earth. It's just one llama in particular. And he just decimates an entire group of college kids who are having a party. And it's... It, it's so bad that it's good, but they're purposefully going for the bad. Like, for example, Andrea Renee, if I was in a field 50 yards from you and I'm in uh-huh. this movie and I get slaughtered by this llama, it's going to cut to you 50 yards away from me and you see a squirt bottle like squirting blood on you, like extreme of blood is smacking you in the face. And that depicts my death. Like, it's so bad that it's just so good. And like the, they wear, the consistency, like they're not wearing the same shirts in every scene. It's just, listen... If you are a consumer of alcohol, like yours truly, or (laughs) if you like to do a little puff puff, take partake in your adult activities and watch Lama Don't, doesn't know.
1: beg the question though, how something like this gets on Amazon prime video. Cause this clearly is like, absolutely like a YouTube fodder kind of like student project kind of movie. And, but somebody put it on these streaming services and I don't know why.
0: Yeah. I don't know why either, but you know, I, I saw it and it was love at first sight. So
1: it was love
0: at first sight. She said, "If I don't force him to watch a horror movie with me, I'm forcing him to watch *Lamageddon*.
1: It's just I'm into it. I like it. It's great." Anyway, Um, anyway. moving right along, uh, we actually didn't talk about *BioShock* as a film. We just skipped. We just skipped right over that to talk about (laughs) *Lamageddon*. Gore Verbinski. Wait, we didn't talk about *BioShock*. No, I mean, but, like, we didn't, like, give any thoughts or opinions on, like, (laughs) is this a good thing? Do we hate this idea? Are we excited? Um, I, for one, have custom art in my home of a big daddy and a little sister. I have a stuffed big daddy in my home that was sent um, to us by Ken Levine. Like, I am very, very excited about the prospect of a live-action Bioshock. Mm -hmm. I think it could be really great. Mm -hmm. Netflix movies, though, are kind of a wild crapshoot. Some of them are good, and some of them are fucking terrible. Now, if this was being made by Amazon as a film, I would have a little bit more confidence, just because it feels like they spend a little bit more on some of their big-budget films. Uh, Netflix TV series, excellent. Netflix movies, (laughs) sometimes they're good, and sometimes they're terrible, as I mentioned. I think... Though, in general, this property is overdue for some kind of um, feature film or TV adaptation. I think it's ripe to do something really cool on screen. And it feels like it's going to line up with the next announcement slash installment for what's happening in the Bioshock franchise. We know that 2K's already publicly said that they're continuing it. We've heard that on earnings calls. Um, we know that they've you know tra- taken development over from Irrational Games, which is now you know no longer. And it's in an internal 2K studio that's handling it. And it feels like we're gonna get a reveal of that game, potentially this year, and maybe, maybe soon, who knows.
0: That would be great. And I'm with you. I think Bioshock has a fantastic world built around it. The key is, you know, you got to, like, create a story within that world that makes sense. And I think that's where a lot of these games, like, kind of – or these movies flop. They just can't do it. Like Uncharted, who has a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Oh, yes. Let's talk about Uncharted. So, Brittany, what do you think about – I mean, this is expected, though, right?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, like, this has always been my mindset. I mean, grant, like when it came to Uncharted, I think I had a little higher hopes. You have Tom Holland, who, from what I hear, is like really great. Mark Wahlberg is really great in it, but like, something it just doesn't all come together. That's been kind of like the universal critique I've heard. I think IGN actually gave it a seven out of ten. I think they said it was good. That's but not overall, bad. Yeah, I mean, but like when you have a video game movie, you just have to expect that it's just never going to live up to the game itself. Like, how how can an hour and a half to two hour experience like encompass, you know, sometimes it's a 20-hour game and all the Mm -hmm. character building you get. It just doesn't happen. So that's why it's so hard. And that's why I'm kind of more excited for, speaking of Netflix, the upcoming Resident Evil show, which has Albert Wesker and his, like, two daughters, which is kind of, like, unheard of. It's so different from anything we've seen before in Resident Evil that I think it has a shot of working because you're not constantly comparing like the two, you know what I mean? You're not comparing the game to the movie. So maybe that's what Uncharted i haven't seen it yet but maybe that's where it kind of fell through same song and dance right with every one of these movies
1: yeah i think it's tough because fans of the video game franchise are going to go in with unrealistic expectations we all do it like you are like oh no i'm lowering my expectations but like then you get it and you watch it and you're like i'm still disappointed and it's (laughs) It's just the way it happens, right? But I think that if you can appreciate it for an action movie, maybe it's gonna be good. Now, I haven't seen the movie yet. Sony did invite me to come watch the movie pre-release, and I was like, LOL, that's really nice of you, but baby. Um, I know,
0: I was invited too, and I wanted to cry. I'm like, in an alternate universe, I flew to see Andrea, and we got really tipsy. Um, we went and saw this movie together. and I
1: know. Someday, uh, we'll yep. get to see a movie together. We'll watch scary movies together again. But I think that this is going to be a movie that's just fine. I feel like it's going to get the same kind of reception the Tomb Raider movie got, where there was a contingency of people who are like, this is great. It's a good, fine pop- popcorn action flick. It's fine. But then there's going to be people who are like, they fucked it up, table flip. Where's Sully's mustache? Which I agree, he should have had a mustache. How do they how did they mess that up? Right. Yeah, that's like, weird. Come on. I know it's young Sully, but like but give even him a mustache. Sully had a mustache. So
0: like I don't I don't understand it. He was yeah. at the mustache growing phase of his life, but it's fine. It's it,
1: weird. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I think more, most of us are looking forward to the HBO Last of Us adaptation. Like that to me seems like ripe for success. HBO has a great track record. The Last of Us just seems like a more in-depth kind of dark story that you want to like learn more about those characters. feels like it has hopefully, fingers crossed, potential for success. (sighs) All right. So that's it for our silver screen power hour. Um, I can't believe we're already this deep into the show. Um, One last thing. And I'm just going to say this because I think it's hilarious because we talked so much about the metaverse in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Nintendo is currently uninterested in building a metaverse. They're like, nah, we're good. No, thanks. We're fine. Surprising no one. Surprising literally nobody. I mean, they already built a metaverse. It's called Animal Crossing. But, <laughs> but they're like, nah, we're good. Like, what's the metaverse? So, I've, I, Nintendo, I appreciate you for putting this statement out. Um, I also agree that you should not mess with the Metaverse because you have to get your online infrastructure online before you even contemplate that. I mean, have you seen what it takes to get people on and off my fucking island in Animal Crossing? Jesus. (laughs) You better not be thinking about the Metaverse. Get your shit together. Love you. Okay. Okay. And that's going to we'll do set. it for our news segment for this week. We've got some video games to talk about. Most importantly, just one video game. But I also saw another video game. You guys know which game I'm talking about. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. It's me, Andrea Rene. This is your podcast inter- interlude to let you know, as you can see, when Brittany Brombacher is missing from her seat because she said that she was out of whiskey. And I said, hey... You only live once. Are you sure you don't want to just go get yourself some whiskey?" So she said, I'm a bad influence. Me, Andrea Renee, a bad influence? Really? She's fucking damn right. I am a bad influence. <laughs> but you know what? It's going to make her feel better. It's going to make her relax a little bit, and that's great. But I also want to let you know, kids, you don't need alcohol to relax. Maybe chamomile tea your thing. Maybe you like CBD gummies, or maybe you just like going running or something. Brittany's back and she's like, what's Andrea talking about?
0: I'm like, she's not reading an ad because she's not on a full screen. So I'm like, what is happening here?
1: I was just letting everybody know that we're having a podcast interlude where I'm apparently a bad influence.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's talk about how much persuasion it took, though, for me to, like, get up and run downstairs and grab more alcohol. It was like
1: a little, just a little push. Oh,
0: It was like a little (laughs) puff of air.
1: Welcome back, everybody. It is the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast. This is where we talk about what we've been playing or any preview events we've been to. And this week, we've got both. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Fixture Gaming. Is Pokemon Legends Arceus consuming your every waking moment? Or maybe... After all that Mario Kart news, you decided to fire up Mario Kart 8 and start replaying some of those old tracks? Well, you can catch all of those pocket monsters and race with ease with the perfect Nintendo Switch accessory, the Fixture S1. Fixture S1 was created by gamers for gamers who love the Nintendo Switch and the Pro Controller but want to be able to play on the go. The original patented design connects the Nintendo Switch to the Pro Controller for comfortable, precise, portable play, offering a great alternative to the Joy-Cons, which always give you claw hands. <laughs> Fixture S1's patented two-axis design provides stability and balance in any playing position for optimal comfort and gaming performance. Just snap your Pro Controller into your Fixture S1 for handheld player or use it as a stand-in tabletop mode. In either mode, you can charge the Switch and Pro Controller at the same time, and the Fixture S1's thoughtful design routes those power cords out the back so they never interfere with play. Now, we here at What's Good Games have partnered with the team at Fixture Gaming to give away a custom What's Good Games Fixture S1, and it's got a really cool purple design with our logo on it that you guys can see if you go to our Twitter page at what's good underscore games, and all you have to do is reply to our tweets, and you are automatically entered for your chance to win that custom Fixture S1. That is limited to people in North America. I just want to make sure that y'all know that. But If you guys are interested in checking out the Fixture S1 for yourself, you can learn more by heading to FixtureGaming.com where you can get $5 off of your purchase by using code WGG at checkout. Or you can visit Fixture Gaming's Amazon page by clicking our special link in the show notes. That's right. It's FixtureGaming.com where code WGG gets you $5 off or use our link in the show notes to head to their Amazon page. All right, everybody, it's time to quickly talk about a game that I saw behind closed doors for a preview before we get into our Horizon chat. So you may have noticed, or maybe not, uh, if you're not into Dune the way that I am, that a preview came out for Dune Spice Wars. Funcom and Shiro Games, the developer, put out a brand new gameplay trailer this week. And I wanted to just quickly note that I did get to see some gameplay for this game, but I unfortunately was pulled away in the middle of the presentation by (laughs) one tiny human that I'm looking (laughs) after. So I didn't get as thorough of notes as I wanted to, so I don't want to give a full preview of this game, except to say that the game is coming in early access in spring 2022. It looks like an RTS, it's a four by RTS, so that's expansion, economics, extermination, Exploiting. Exploiting. Thanks. Exploration.
0: Exploring,
1: expanding, exploiting, exterminating. There we go. That's it. Four by RTS. Um, In that, Obviously, it's based on the Dune property. So as a big fan of the Dune 2 RTS and kind of where Dune as an RTS kind of started, I was really excited about this. But um, I unfortunately don't have as many details as I wanted to. But I wanted to let you guys know that I did see a little bit. And if you are interested, I know that IGN has a preview up that you can check out. And I hopefully will be able to check it out once it goes into early access. So, Brittany, the real Mm. reason we're here to talk about video games this week is the game that you and I have been playing for more than two weeks at this point. The one yeah. provided by PlayStation, of course. So thank you to PlayStation for not only providing that game, but also this really comfy sweatshirt that they sent oh, over the holidays. Cute. Yeah. They were like, hey, do you want a PlayStation 5 sweatshirt? And I was like, that sounds nice. So they sent that's one. Cute. And it's very comfortable. So thank you, PlayStation. Um, Horizon Forbidden West. <sighs> Brittany, I mean, where do we even begin? Do you, do you want to start? Are you so I think the we, person we who hated see- trees? <laughs> now a Horizon
0: fan? So we should sync up, and how many hours have you put in? 50. Okay, so I'm like 35 in. So with
1: all of that said, oh my god, it's so good. It's yeah. so, it so is. And don't, so good. don't worry, friends. This is going to be a spoiler-free conversation about Horizon Forbidden West. So if you are planning on playing, you will not be ruined by the conversation. Hopefully, it will just enhance your experience. Or it will inform you if you are contemplating, is this game for me or not?
0: Yeah. Well, let's, just, let's just dive right into it, yeah. obviously. Go for it. I'll so pull up Horizon- some footage. Great. Let's do it. So Horizon Forbidden West is a direct sequel to Horizon Forbidden Dawn. Wait her zero dawn Dawn. (laughs) (laughs) we're off to a great start ladies and gentlemen i blame the scotch um and we got a lot of questions first and foremost about like do i need to play horizon zero dawn before i play horizon forbidden west and i andrea let me know if you disagree i would recommend watching a youtube summary if you don't plan on playing zero dawn or even if you did play zero dawn and it's been a hot minute because this game came out in what 2017 correct five Um, years ago yeah, before you hop back into Forbidden West, because a lot of those story beats are going to become very relevant as you play Forbidden West. So, like, absolutely, like, refresh the memory, if you will. Um, I, <laughs> my history with Horizon, so as you may or may not know, the joke, the ongoing joke is I was turned off to the first Horizon because of the trees. It was like, oh, there's too many trees. It's a boring landscape. It looks like my backyard. Fuck this game, blah, blah, blah. I finally played it a couple years ago, and I 100%ed it, and it has become one of my favorite games of all time. Isn't that just funny? That's how it works. So going into going into Forbidden West, like I've just been so excited for it, like so much anticipation. I predicted, I think, on our show last year, um, most anticipated anticipated games of this year, that that would be my game of the year. And so far, like I mean, we're only a couple months into this, it 100% is. This is just a phenomenal phenomenal game. I feel like this is the epitome of how you do an open world video game. I think there's going to be some debate. I'm excited to talk to you about this, Andrea, about how large the map is. And is it too bloated? But I feel like Gorilla has done such a fantastic job at making this world feel so alive. And everywhere you go, there's something new to see. And always the landscape feels unique that I never feel I never have map fatigue. I love that there's an overabundance of things to do. I love that I can go look at cauldrons or hunt for parts or find vista points or go delve into some old ruins and, or take down a rebel camp. There is just so much to do and this world truly feels alive. And I feel like that has just been 100% nailed in my 35 hours that I've played with it. I'm just now getting to like some of the real, real meat of this game because I've had so much fun just like going off and exploring. But how do you feel about what I've said so far?
1: I absolutely agree with everything you said. How far into the main story are you?
0: Spoiler free, I have just found the first main thing that I'm looking for, and I have now traveled to a very fun location where you are going next week.
1: Oh, okay. So, wait, but you've only found the first thing of the things you need to find? Yeah. Okay, so, interesting. So... uh, Okay. Yeah, you got some. You got some stuff to do. Oh,
0: okay, um, I have at least another like forty hours, at least. In
1: this you city. know what's interesting is that I am about. Let's see here. I'm probably so. As I mentioned, I'm fifty hours in according to my statistics when I looked up in the game screen, and I have gathered all of the things. And now I'm on to the next step, but I still feel like I have a substantial amount of the story to go. So I've been watching and listening to other people's coverage as well. And when I was watching the Kind of Funny Games cast, it sounded like most of them are sub 40 hours, but they've all finished the main quest line. And I was like, oh, you guys are playing very differently than I'm playing. (laughs) Oh,
0: same. Wow. Mainlining.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And like I try, I started to mainline. So I got to a point where I was like, okay, uh, the embargo's about to be up. We've got to talk about the game. I've got to start mainlining. And so I just started cutting a swath across the map to get to the next big story beat. And it was the hardest thing to just get on my machine mount and just run past whole like villages or run past you know, like these new like machine encampments and things. And I was just like, just put the blinders on. Just keep going. <laughs> I, w- I did s- jump off to like, like campfires along the way. So I would have some some fast travel points. But this game is so dense. There's so much stuff to do. It definitely feels like they kind of took a few pointers from the Ubisoft style of open world games and really kind of packed it with all kinds of activities to do. So... To your point about does it make sense to go and play the original Horizon before you play this one if you have the time, do it. Do it. We've already talked about how it was our game of the year the year it came out, and uh, well, it was my game of the year. I think Breath of the Wild was your game of the year.
0: It was Resident Evil.
1: I um, think. Resident Evil Seven. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You're not wrong. I, pre- I bet it was. Um, I bet it was. But that the game itself is excellent, but they do a small recap at the beginning of the game. But it, I feel like to really understand what's happening, you should watch a YouTube recap instead so that they go over a few more details because there's a lot of callbacks, like a lot of callbacks, not just with the main campaign, but like there's a lot of familiar faces, a lot of NPCs that you ran into in the in the first game that come back and some of them stick with you for quite a while into the main campaign, which is really interesting. So I had tweeted that I thought that this game kind of felt like it had, you know, like just hints of getting towards what Mass Effect kind of built with your companions, but they just, they fell short because it's still just an Aloy journey journey. And I kind of wanted to see how you felt about, you know, the whole system of how the NPCs are kind of there with you and then, but they don't really have an impact on your gameplay.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, that's funny you say that because I had also been like, God, I'm kind of getting some Mass Effect vibes. So, you know, you do have companions and you can chat with them at given points during the story. You can go talk, to, basically you can go and talk to them whenever you want. And depending on where you're at in the story, you, they have new things to say. And I think that's so cool right because like I think all these characters are so incredibly well written that I'm always so curious to see what they have to say next but there definitely is that just one more step like just take it that one step further where maybe you know there are some relationships that you can build with folks if you wanted to and I know that goes against the whole like Aloy canon Aloy saving the world Aloy is just like a single woman on her business and she doesn't have no time for no love you know what I mean? But I just kind of also wish that they would have just taken it like that one step further to to really kind of solidify those relationships. But it kind of keeps me excited for future iterations of Horizon, assuming we're getting it. Like, maybe they will go there. Who knows?
1: It does. I'm with you in the sense that it feels like this definitely... Like, begs that there's going to be another game, or that they're going to make this a trilogy or an ongoing series. I think that's like my one big complaint about the narrative so far is that it feels like they're setting up a bunch of things that they're not going to actually be able to tie up the ends for in this game. And I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing. I think right now, as somebody who hasn't finished the main quest line, I'm, you know, undetermined. As we mentioned at the top of this, you know, This is kind of like a review in progress or thoughts in progress about what's happening since neither Brittany or I have seen like the final mission of the game. But I think it speaks to how fun the overall gameplay of Horizon Forbidden West is that you and I are both so deep into the game, but that we have barely touched the main campaign and that I had Mm -hmm. to make a, a conscious effort to go back to it. So let's talk about the gameplay. So there's a lot of more of the same with the gameplay, but I think that's not a bad thing. Mm -mm. I think what Horizon Zero Dawn did really well, they're taking and just expanding on. So, exploration. They have absolutely increased exploration, not just from a climbing perspective, but also you get to go underwater in this game. And, of course, they've added that fancy little shield wing parachute glider that allows you to kind of like tool around in the air as well. What I think is great about that is that it really kind of diversifies the vertical dimension in the world and makes it feel a little bit more alive. Of course, powered by the Decima engine, it just looks great and it feels great to move around. Mm-hmm. I I don't know about you, Brittany, but I turned on the accessibility function that always highlights where you can climb. Do you have that on or are you not using that?
0: Oh yeah, so when I use my focus, I don't know if that's the always-on option that you have, but whenever I tap on my focus, it will highlight the little yellow ridges in the scalable walls and tell you where you can and you can't go.
1: No, so that's the normal option. Okay. I have is that I never have to hold in my focus that whenever I'm out in the world, it's always highlighted perpetually. Oh, really? Yeah. So obviously, visually, it it makes a big pretty big difference if you get these little yellow markers all over the world. But I prefer it that way because I'm like, listen, I ain't got time. I need to know where the handholds are. I need to know where the (laughs) ledges are. I don't want to run around looking for the ledge and I want to be clicking in my thumbstick constantly. So Mm -hmm. I just turned it on to be always on. And I loved that I could do that, which was to me like such a such a nice change to be able to like just have something like that. Um, So that's a really nice upgrade that we got this time around. The underwater stuff is super fun. I think that it's not revolutionary. A lot of games have done underwater gameplay and I would even just point to Assassin's Creed and what they did like years ago as being a really great precursor to this. But it just feels really nice to be able to take Aloy into some really cool submerged locations. And there's one city in particular that you visit that is submerged that is just like a really fun nod. Um, and it's a pretty major city in the United States that literally 100% of people around the world will, re- will recognize. And it's just like a really nice, like, different look at what this city could become in this weird post apocalyptic world that Aloe is in.
0: See, I haven't got, I haven't seen that yet. And I think that's what's been so fun chatting with people who have been playing this. Like, what's your play style? Now, granted, like Andrea said, you kind of do need to put the blinders on. And I, put, I finally put my blinders on, like, oh, about five to 10 hours ago but in the meantime i was just having so fun so much fun just exploring everything and finding everything and then i was like crap like i need so hearing how different people are playing this differently it goes to show you like how you really can kind of make this your own and do it as you want to and i think that is just again like i said it earlier but this is the epitome of like what an open world game should be and i love I love the little glider thing that you mentioned earlier. I like that it feels kind of weighty. It doesn't feel like in Breath of the Wild where you jump off of something and you can float for like 50,000 miles. You know, it's like. Right. Because there's no stamina bar attached to it, right? Thank God. Let's just abolish all stamina bars when it comes to like exploration. Right. They're the worst. They're the worst. Literally the worst. No. And that's what I'm saying is like this is how an open world game should be. No stamina bars. It shows you where you can and can't climb. You know, the focus highlights everything around you that you need to interact with. I love the in game hints that Aloy gives you as you're playing this. For example, if you come across an old ruin and you see a weird metal flower around and you're like, What do I do with that? She'll say something that lets you know whether you can or cannot proceed. So you don't spend twenty minutes trying to figure out how do you solve this puzzle. You know what I mean? I just feel like Gorilla took everything that like people have ever complained about when it comes to an open world game and they just they just did the right thing when it it comes to which is good, because this map is huge. Yes, Huge. I almost had the big one, Andrea, when I was like 20-something hours in, and I zoomed out, and then I realized how little of the map I have uncovered. (laughs) I was like, oh, fuck.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it speaks to how big the game is, that I'm 50 hours in, and I am just now getting to the most like furthest edge of the map, but there's like a whole bunch of the top and bottom of the map that I haven't gotten to. Um, like and when I say haven't gotten to, I mean literally just haven't cleared like the fog of map from because I started to beeline towards um, the story missions that, you know, will take me to the farthest edge of the map. But there's just so much to do. So speaking of so much to do, some some familiar things return. So hunting grounds return. Um going to different villages, Mm -hmm. returns. um, You're going to be able to do errands. There's no shortage of side quests. And I think that the side quests, from some of the other coverage that I've read and listened to, it feels like some people didn't spend enough time with side quests to understand just how meaningful they are. Because much like the previous game, some of those side quests will make or break the experience that you get at the final mission of the game. Now, I don't know how it's going to affect the final mission of Horizon Forbidden West, because as I mentioned, I haven't gotten there yet. But it me- it made a big difference in the final mission of Horizon Zero Dawn, just how many of the side quests you did and who actually was there at the end of the game and who wasn't. And so that's why I kind of felt like it was a little bit Mass Effecty in that sense. But what I think Guerrilla didn't do is that they didn't go all the way into those relationships. And I think what's really kind of interesting about where, the- where they're going with this franchise is that, Clearly, they have a ton of stuff that you can do in the world, but it feels like the, f- the core focus of this game is still on Aloy and her experience and the combat and exploration, and they're not as invested in making, um, in making choices and narrative branches part of what the experience of Horizon is. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. I don't think every game needs to do that.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I do think though we've kind of been conditioned to expect that. And again, like I also haven't finished it, but I think as well written as these characters are and how I think their dynamics with Aloy are just so phenomenal, I want that though. I think I want that in this game. And I and I get that like for this one it's just like it's not the Horizon way, but I think I said earlier if they do another one, I think it almost has to be included. Because It does feel like it's fallen a little short, and that's just because I think we're conditioned that way, or maybe that's just me, and maybe that's just you, you know, like that, that's the experience we want. But, um, you know, it, it's hard to get your panties too much in a bundle over that because, other than that, like it is just the thing I think I love the most. Speaking of these characters and those relationships, the cutscenes is everything mo I feel like everything is mo capped,
1: it definitely feels that way because everything is gorgeous, like the graphics. Oh are ridiculous so Brittany and I are both playing on PS5 and Mm -hmm. I can't speak to how it looks on PS4 or PS4 Pro but like this game is clearly designed to be played on a PlayStation 5 and it looks insane it looks insane
0: absolutely stunning and every interaction you have whether it's a story cut scene or with an NPC I think in the 35 hours I've played, I've only pressed X to skip through dialogue maybe like three or four times, mm-hmm. because the way these characters are animated, you're just you get so invested in what they're saying because it's like you're watching a real person, right? Like tell this, right? It's not like you're watching. And you know, not to diss on my my friend Dragon Age over there, but you know, like very static um, animations, like the facial animations don't really show too much
1: emotion. But in this, like, it is just fucking oh, pristine. And, yeah, and the, makes- the, the gameplay that we're watching at youtube.com slash what's good games as part of the state of play that PlayStation put out, this quality of animation is literally every yes. cutscene. Like, oh. this isn't like, you know, some open world games don't animate the cutscenes with other NPCs, like, not Gorilla, like... All of the side quests for NPCs have this level of detail in the animation. It's bonkers.
0: It is bonkers. And I don't know if I've ever seen a game that's done this before. And it's, I mean, where every little, a game of this size and this magnitude where they took the time to make sure everything looks just so on point as it is. And you can't turn away from it because it's just so damn good. You're just so invested in it. And I had this moment, Andrea, with this game where, I mean, we've all been cooped up for a very long time now and it was the the train looked a little arizona-y and it was nighttime and there were like crickets or whatever those night bugs are making whatever night bug sounds they make and there was like <laughs> cacti around and there was like a fire crackling and it was like on the edge of this beautiful moonlit lake and i literally got a rush of, of endorphins cuz it reminded me of when i used to go camping all the time in eastern washington and it was so wild to me. I just sat and stared at my beautiful TV because <laughs> it's really big and like crisp and be- so like the graphics really shine through. I, I digress. And I just stared at it and I'm like, oh my God, like I feel like I'm actually there. And it, I don't know if I've ever had that before. It happened to me, but I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, did you take some
1: screenshots and photos? Absolutely mode? I
0: did. Yes. Yeah, totally. I had to because I just stared at this thing for like five minutes and I was just panning around and looking it's just the little details that really make this world just again you just feel like you're there and it i can't stress enough i know i've always said like if you could recommend one game to someone like what do you recommend to them god of war is like the, the recent one right but i feel like horizon is just like right beneath that sure like the version we've been playing has has some bugs i'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute but the amount of polish in the animations, in the in the acting, in the cutscenes, scenes, in the story, in the world itself is just like, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone do it better. And it's just kind of like mind-blowing. Because you'll go like 10 minutes sometimes between fighting, fighting or having any real action, but that's okay. You're still having a blast. You're still immersed in
1: this world because it just feels... I'm I, I think it really harkens a lot to what Sucker Punch did with Ghost of Tsushima, that you just kind of wanted to exist in that world. And if yes. you weren't on a side quest or if you weren't on a mission, if you were just kind of wandering around on your horse, kind of going and collecting shrines or getting picking up what whatever in the world, that it didn't matter if you had an objective that you just wanted to kind of exist. And I feel like Horizon Forbidden West has really accomplished that as well. It's The reason why it's still to this day the only platinum trophy I've ever gotten with Horizon Zero Dawn and I imagine someday if I have enough time I will (laughs) platinum Forbidden West but this game is far larger so I do want to dig a little bit into the gameplay of what's happening here and what's really different about this game around because I think a big criticism of people from this game so far has been like well it's just more of the same and in my tweets I also said yeah it's more of the same but when it's more of the same of one of the best games of the last 10 years like what are you complaining about I think though it's not just more of the same they've absolutely added a lot more so you know i kind of started to talk about some of these activities so they've also added quite a bit more so they have melee pits this time around so the combat is something that was a big highlight the first time around in Horizon Forbidden or Zero Dawn. And I really loved the way that you would use your different elemental arrows when you would fight machines and, you know, obviously stealth and how that played in. And it's just even bigger and better this time around. So what I think is really great about what they did is that they've absolutely expanded the ranged gameplay. They've added different elemental types. They've clearly added new machines on screen Mm -hmm. guys are seeing a cloth strider which kind of looks like a little like velociraptor kind of machine Um, and they've added multiple different kind of machine types and I think that the range gameplay continues to be the absolute highlight of the way this game is designed to play and i say that because not only is it really smooth and wonderful and makes combat fun but that's the different kinds of weapons are all ranged. i've heard some other people talking about melee and the melee combat has definitely improved and they have a whole new warrior skill tree that's designed around these new melee um combos and the different kinds of things that you can do with the resonator buildup which is a special energy attack that if you hit with your spear x amount of times you build up your resonator blast and then it kind of makes your enemy glow blue in a sp- specific spot and then you can use your bow and arrow to hit that energy buildup spot and it kind of creates this like you know, explosion that does massive damage. And in the warrior skill tree, you can upgrade that and unlock special combos to make melee gameplay even more fun. So Brittany, how much of the warrior skill tree have you explored?
0: Oh, you know me, baby girl.
1: None of it. Or all (laughs) of it. No, you're a face tank. It's
0: gotta be a thing, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, here's the thing is, I like to face tank. We all know that. But you can't really, you can, but I don't recommend it, face tank against the machines. Don't race no, the machines. face. you're right. The, Don't the, face the against the machines The machines
1: are all about range combat. They're all sure. about
0: the range. And I haven't... I mean, I do come across, like, you know, I've killed my fair share of human enemies. So while I have upgraded the warrior skill tree to include my, you know, R1, R2 attacks... I haven't done a lot of the resonator blast. I'm just now starting to dive into that as I'm starting to encounter more human enemies. But mostly for me, what I've been diving into in the skill tree is the range and the traps. I haven't really even touched the machine. Skill so the tree.
1: infiltrator and the, um, is it just called range? I don't remember what it's called. I, I don't know. Uh, either. Skill tree.
0: You know, they have all these fancy names that I didn't come up with, so I can't remember them. Um, You know, it's funny, though, because one of my favorite things to do in Horizon Zero Dawn was to camp out in the tall grass and put, like, 16 trap wires, like, all around me. And just have this, like, this impenetrable fortress. Yeah, trap spam. Uh, Trip wires. Yeah, trip wires is what I meant. Um, But now there's a limit. I think the most you can put out is, like, five or six. After you fully upgraded your traps, so that's been kind of a you know a little a little. But it's for the best,
1: right? I that mean, they it, don't it, let people cheese it that way anymore, right?
0: <laughs> it really it is, and it pains me to say that, but it is. God, that was such a fun start. At you though you just throw rocks and bring them all to you. Uh, but no, like I've just had an absolute blast. Just you know, it, when it comes to the range stuff, there are like the last game, so many different weapons to choose from. I feel like every village you go to, they have four or five new you know, bows to choose from, whether it's a warrior bow or a hunter bow or a sharpshoot bow or whatever it's called, like the sniper, the sniper version of a bow where it's a long draw time, but really powerful hit. And, you know, each one has its own elemental. Is it tear damage? Is it frost? Is it purge water? I think is it acid? And so it's been fun, like you were saying earlier, to really mess with those and see what combinations work. And granted, every machine does have its own weakness, But, um, you know, it it is fun to have all those skill trees that have that wheel up at once and have your many different bows and traps to like go through and figure out what the best play style is for you. So that's kind of like where I'm getting most of my, my rocks off right now, if you know what I mean. But, um. God, oh, it's the combat. Oh, it's I just, know what you mean. It's so, and this is a game that, listen, if you want to play on baby-ass baby mode, I'm not going to shame you. I play a majority of my games on baby-ass baby mode. But I'm playing this one on normal because I think the challenge that it does provide, it's not a great one. But when you do come across a big, big boy and you get your ass kicked a few times, it is just so damn fun to come up with a new strategy. I have uh, been humbled a few times in my play.
1: Same. And I am yeah. glad that you brought that up because clearly fans of the pod know that we love baby ass baby mode but i'm also playing on normal and i don't feel like it's egregious or difficult Mm -mm. i feel like it's very forgiving i even feel like sometimes it's almost too easy but then i'm like you know what there's gonna come a time as you mentioned where i'm gonna get my ass handed to me and let me tell you if you played against thunder jaws in the first game those bitches are just as hard in this game if not (laughs) if not more so That in some of the gameplay footage that we've been showing on the YouTube video provided by PlayStation shows a Tremor Tusk, which is essentially a giant woolly mammoth type machine. And those are very difficult to go against. And they're just one of several new machines that really kind of challenge your strategy. And I think that's what we really loved about the combat of the first game is that it felt like it was a really unique sense of combat. Mm -hmm. And that is absolutely the case here. And what I really love about what they did with their AI, with their machines, is that it feels like they're new and fresh and so many times when we get new games it feels like they're just archetypes of ai enemies it's like you got your big heavy guy you got your quick fast guys you got your stealthy guys and it's like no nah, it all feels like the same but not so with horizon Mm-mm. it feels fresh and new and different i mean the first time you fight a leap lasher you're like wait oh. what the heck is this enemy doing <laughs> you know what i mean absolutely
0: and, it's fun so. whenever you scan a new enemy and it's like scanning new enemy you get excited because it's it's one of the few games where I don't – I'll admit, I don't, unless it's an RPG, I don't like a lot of challenge in my games. But this one, I love being strategic about it because, like you said, you get so many different new enemies. You have to pick and choose where you want to shoot these enemies with your bow, and it just never gets old or stale. It just never does. I yeah. Don't know how they do it, but they do it.
1: I'm with you. I do think that there are some things that this game does that aren't as – innovative or don't push as far as I would like. But because I'm having so much fun in other areas, I think that I've kind of like been like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Because I feel like when you look at an open world game, you kind of have to pick and choose what are the key core pieces of gameplay that are going to mean the most to you. Are you more of a fallout open world person where you like to kind of build your base and kind of grind away and, you know, do a lot of exploration? Or are you more of like a far cry open world person where you just kind of like to like fuck around and go hunt things and, you know, clear towers Right, or even like Assassin's Creed now and the kind of open world gameplay that they do, it's like, do you need to clear everything? Or are you kind of going straight through all of the mainstay missions? You know, you kind of have to go, what's the most important thing to me in my open world gameplay experience? And I think for Horizon, what they really excel at is combat. Combat is really, really excellent. And I think what they also excel at is exploration, but I think where they're maybe lacking is like the meaningful relationships in some of the NPCs. Now, the side quests, I think, coming from some characters that were seen in her, uh, Zero Dawn are great. But I also feel like there's a lot of side quests that kind of feel samey, a little bit archetypy, very much like, hey, this person, my sister got lost going down to the mine. Can you go help her? Or like, hey, I sent my apprentice out to go get these three herbs and they never come back. Can you keep an eye out for them? Like, you know, some of those kind of <laughs> yeah. very like stereotypical open world quest lines you get. I feel like there's probably too many of those.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And, cause, you know, we all know how the story end. They're face down in a ditch somewhere. I'm exactly. sorry. Like, save Aelor save the time. She's got shit to do. <laughs> she's trying you know? to save
1: the world here.
0: She's trying to save the world. And, you know, actually, that's an interesting thing to bring up because the way she's written, I feel like, is so brilliant um, because she does, Aloy's a very fascinating character, right? You consider like her upbringing. And if you played Horizon Zero Dawn, like, you know, the life that she lived was a very isolated one. And watching her through that game. And now through this game, she doesn't have like a heck of a lot of friends. And the ones that she does have, you can tell she kind of even keeps on like a leash. Like she doesn't get super close to them. She does, but she doesn't. And the way they've written her, it's like this woman has so much weight on her shoulders and she has a vulnerable side, but she only shows it in key pivotal moments. And I don't know. I just think it's such a – they did such a great job at just showcasing that in her. Um, and, uh, anyhow, I just, I just I just love this game so much. But what's something I do want to talk about – I'm going back a little bit here. How has your experience been with the bugs? Because that has that's probably – even with the day one patch, I've had, like – quite a bit. And I, you know, a game this massive that almost excels in everything else, like you have a little bit of leniency. You have to like, listen, game dev is hard.
1: But um, open world games, they all have bugs. They all have. I mean, hello. Have you yeah.
0: heard of a game called Skyrim? I've had um, the worst one I had actually, I've had a couple two of them that were like kind of eh, is what a platform that I needed to hop on to get to a higher spot was just like it didn't exist. I would jump on it and I'll fall right back
1: to the bottom. And that was Infuriating, it sounds like.
0: Yeah, because my most recent save point was maybe like 25 minutes before that.
1: Can I uh, make a confession right here? Yeah. I decided, I, I didn't realize I decided this, that I was only quick saving. And then one night I hit square instead of triangle. And I was like, oh, have I never... Manually save the game, and it was like manual save like two hours, and then it's like second manual save forty three hours, oh, and I was fuck, like, girl, I was like, whoops, oh god, no! Ah! <laughs> I'm glad that worked out okay. I mean, for God you. bless the quick saving system yes. in this game, right? That it didn't ever matter, and like because there's like very few narrative choices that impact. I mean, there are some narrative choices that impact your gameplay. Um, I just was like, whoops.
0: Oh, no. Don't forget to manual save, ladies and gentlemen. That could have been so bad, but I'm glad that worked out for you. But, I mean, other than that one, like, that was fine. And also there was a time where a character I was searching for revealed herself over my focus before I actually found this character. And I was like, oh, I guess that character's still alive and well cool and it was like five hours before i found that character i'll tell you what i'm talking about um after we're done but that was kind of like a, a kind of a, a narrative let down because it kind of spoiled a huge thing for me yeah but that's okay other than that though i mean the bugs have just been kind of like a little annoying but it hasn't been anything too terrible
1: i've mostly just been running to standard open world stuff textures popping in um You know, kind of sometimes there'll be environmental objects popping in. I have been getting like micro loading. So that was something that they said that they were going to be addressing in the day one patch. And it helped, but it didn't get rid of it. And so when I say micro loading, I mean like it kept dipping to a black screen. Yeah. And it would come back up, dipping to a black screen. And it would only be like momentarily, like not even like a full second of a dip to black as, as the game was just like loading assets into the world because as we mentioned this game is gorgeous and beautiful and let me tell you it like there's a lot that the engine is rendering in real time and it's to the point that like you're like why why did you do so much like you didn't i mean it already looked good you didn't need to do so much but it looks amazing and that's why i'm kind of curious to see how it's going to run on playstation 4 even a playstation 4 pro because if the ps5 is chugging to load these This game in when like this is supposed to be like the big showcase case piece mm-hmm. for the PS5, right? Like this is what the PS5 is supposed to be able to do. It kind of makes you go like, Ooh, how's the PS4 user base going to handle it? Um, right. And so hopefully they address some of those things. But I mean, as far as like bugs go, nothing game breaking on my side. Um, I've only had one crash where oh. I had to like restart my um console. But... You know, here's the thing. Like I've almost every game I've ever played has crashed at least once, and the fact that I'm 50 hours in to a massive open world game and it's only crashed one time, like to me that's like, eh, it's not even worth noting. It's not. It's not remarkable. Agree. But yeah, I haven't had. I, I have. I personally. But that doesn't mean they don't exist. I want to be clear. There's been many games where. Other people had flawless experiences, and I had nothing but bugs, and then vice versa. It just happens. We just have to wait and see once the game gets into more people's hands.
0: That's true. We do have some questions here that we should probably rapid-fire yes. through from Patreon. So the first one comes from Tyler McCall. Zero, Hello, Tyler. Zero Dawn is in my top three games largely because of the narrative which answered all of the questions in the story by the end of the game for a very satisfying experience. How does Forbidden West compare in terms of telling a satisfying story and explaining the mysteries of the world?
1: Oh, Tyler, thank you so much for writing in with your question. Also, thank you for supporting the show, West Good Guardians. Um, don't have an answer for you how how satisfying it is because I haven't haven't finished I haven't finished. But I will say what's really interesting about this story is that. It has already taken some crazy twists that literally nobody who played the first game is going to see coming. And I love that. I love that there's callbacks and characters from the first game that you're going to recognize. But I love that they also were like, we're going to introduce this whole new storyline that you never anticipated. Yeah. And you're going to have to see what Aloy, Aloy is going to do with it. And I love that.
0: Agreed. I absolutely agree. And I have full set full confidence, there we go, that it will be tied up in a way that makes sense. Because the first one, and I'll never forget when Christine Steiner <laughs> talked about this on her show, <laughs> and she said, you know, I remember she was saying, I didn't know if they could pull this off. Cause you know, remember when we first saw Horizon Zero Dawn, it's like, how do you explain machines in this world? This doesn't make any sense. But they pulled it off and they explained it in a fascinating turn of events that like I could never have anticipated. And so I have full confidence that, um that will happen in Forbidden West as well. Second question, Valerie Freeman. How does the climbing system for Forbidden West compare to the one in Zero Dawn? We kind of touched on this
1: earlier. It's better, but it doesn't reach the heights that other games have set. Like I think, you know, I I don't want to compare it to Breath of the Wild because the graphics in Breath of the Wild are nothing compared to the graphics in Horizon Forbidden West. And like you have to choose what your engine's doing, right? Like we talked about this a little bit, I think, in Dying Light 2 when we talked about our gameplay time there. It's like that the gameplay engine can only do so much with mechanics. You kind of have to figure out like what you're going to ask it to do and what it's going to excel at. Mm -hmm. The climbing is good. It's very much like a mix of uncharted. It feels more uncharted than anything else. But I wish it felt more Assassin's Creed. I think where Assassin's Creed has brought their their climbing mechanics in an open world is where I wish Horizon was and it's not quite there. Because I don't know if you felt this way, Britt, but I got frustrated when I would come upon some ancient ruins and I'd be like, I can climb so many crazy things in the world, but you're not gonna let me climb up on that fucking balcony right there to get the thing that I need. I have to find some convoluted puzzle way to get inside when it's like right there. Like, narratively, to me, it didn't make sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's why another reason why I am thankful for the little yellow ridges that we were talking about earlier, because when you don't have that on, it kind of does look like everything you can climb, it looks like everything you see you can climb. Because Aloy can climb some shit. You're like, how can you climb that? But she can't climb other shit. And you're like, that doesn't quite make sense. I don't get
1: it. It's uh, a big flaw in the gameplay design, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and that's that's a totally fair critique of it. So, yeah, Valerie, I would say, like, you know, at least you do have those little yellow zigzags. And they're, like, I would say, like, a 90% guarantee that it's they're going to help you get to where you need to go. But sometimes, you know, you're going to think, like, I should be able to, like, hoist myself up and over this, but Aloy just, like, doesn't want to do it, and you don't understand why, so you have to scurry along the ridges to find another area that you can actually hoist yourself up. So it's, like, almost there, but there are some flaws with it. Yes. But at least there's no stamina meter. Hey-oh. It's true. Devin Knits. For Horizon, which I'm predicting you both will love, moment to moment in the game, what have been your favorite parts? Also, I'd love to hear your takes on
1: Aloy's fashion because you gotta slay Roboto Dino's looking fly. Yeah, Devin. I mean... The amount of customization with armor this time is great. So they added dyes. So when you're out in the world, you'll pick up different kinds of blooms and then you gather these blooms and you create dyes. And God bless Gorilla for making you only unlock a die one time and then you can use it across any armor you want just for shards. You don't have to like have the different recipe for the die every time you want to apply it to different armor. But I love that they let you kind of customize armor a little bit more. And the types of armor are really phenomenal. I think the Tanakh as a faction in the game, um, the Utaru as a faction also have really cool different kinds of armor. And let me tell you, Britt, once you get to the other side of the map and you visit the armorers or the the hunters that you trade weapons with, like basically it's a bunch of stuff that you can't buy because they're like we need all these crazy machine parts and you're like oh, i don't have any of those
0: <laughs> but you go hunt for them.
1: exactly you do it but yeah Get the the fashion is r- ridiculous i have a couple screenshots that i wasn't allowed because playstation rightly you know very limited mm-hmm. what you could post uh, pre-release but once the game has been out in the wild i'll post some screenshots of some of the cool armor that i have
0: yeah, um, when it comes to moment to moment, I already talked about my little moment on the lake with the campfire, the weird night bugs and the noises that they made. But Andrea, I had this also, I had this other moment. You talk, are you talking where, about fireflies? I don't know. It's the, it's the sound the bugs make at night. Are it's you like talking you ever,
1: about like, like like cicadas or what?
0: Maybe, no, those are really obnoxious. I don't know what it is. I'll have to like- Crickets? Go back and, no, it wasn't crickets. I don't hmm, know. Okay, it was night very, bugs. Like, <laughs> The night
1: bugs. Google um, night bug noises.
0: Night bug. <laughs> I'm actually going to do that when we're done. Um, the other moment I had is I was in snow in this game. has some very, very nice crunchy snow. And listen, I'm a simple woman. It doesn't take much to turn my crank, flip my switch, sharpen my pencil, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but I was, I was attacking. Oh, God, I don't know what enemy it was. It was something. Whatever. Machine parts were flying left and right. And a machine part fell and flew and it flung and it landed in the snow. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll go pick that up. I crunched over it in the snow. I was like, crunch, crunch, crunch. I pick up the machine part. There was an indent in the snow where my machine part landed. And I was like, that's fucking awesome. Like, that's cool. But then I started walking away and then I was looking at the trail marks I was leaving while I was walking in the snow. And then you could see grass poking through the snow. Like, where, you know, like, I'm a simple woman again, but the thing. The fact that someone was like, you know, we should animate this little thing to look realistic. I was like, that's such a good touch. And then the way the snow falls on water, listen, Mm. again, simple woman here, if you swim through the pond or the lake, whatever, and you get up, like, your little trail that you swam through is still there. Like, the snow falls all around it, and it slowly fills in the spot you're swimming. It's just, like, the little touches like that that just, I really pay the attention The water
1: to. animation and the lighting in this game is, like, something uh. you've never seen before in a video game. I, the PC players, once this game eventually comes to PC, are probably going to, like, oh, salivate. Um, but, like, on PS5, there's countless times where John and I would just stop and like look at the water. He'd be like, "Yeah, the water looks ridiculous." It's just like, <sighs> like swimming through the clear water and seeing all of the animations of Hay- Aloy's hair and her outfit, and everything. Like these are things I think people like you and I, Brittany, that have been covering video games for a long time notice. But I hope gamer other gamers notice them and go. The amount of detail that went into this art and animation, lighting, engineering, all of the different systems that work behind the scenes to make that possible, like, it's like, mm, chef's kiss.
0: So good. I will say, sometimes Aloy's hair is possessed. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
1: Fair. (laughs) Fair. It's a little bit... like. I I go back to that hair is the hardest part of any game. And there's some wild hairstyles in this game. And I feel like they went with wild because they're like, let's make the hair crazy. And that way, if it looks weird on on screen, people can't be like, the hair doesn't look natural because they intentionally made it look weird and wild. (laughs) (laughs) It's like
0: It reminds me of a puffer fish Where if like One little thing Like touches Aloy's hair It goes poof And it just like Fucking goes like erratic 90 miles an hour In 18 different directions Yeah But um, for the most part It's like It's really good Um, Anywho I love her hair. It's mesmerizing. And then finally, we already touched on this, Nicholas, but I'll read it again so you don't feel left out. Um, He asks, how much does Horizon Forbidden West expect you to remember from Zero Dawn? There was a ton of lore in the first game, but having played almost five years ago, I don't remember much besides
1: the basic story beats. Yeah, so a lot. It honestly expects you to remember a lot. They do, like I said, give you a recap, but I mean all of the main NPCs that appear from the game, there was only like one that I was like, I remember you, girl. What's up? All the rest of us was like, ooh, I think we did a mission together, but I don't really know who you are, but I guess we're besties now. Cool. <laughs> that was there my experience it? having played the game however many years ago, but if you played the game recently, you'll be good. If you never played good. the game, you're going to be a little lost, so again, you should watch a, a better recap than what the game gives you.
0: Thankfully, there is a good in-game, like, dictionary, Wikipedia codex, if you will, of Journal. the characters that you... Journ- oh, is it called journal? Yeah. Thanks, The simplest word, um, a journal. And it does give you a little bit of backstory on those characters and what Aloy's relationship with them are. is. So that is helpful. Um I wish more games would do that. But yeah, definitely watch a recap if you can. Yeah.
1: Because so I Andrea, feel like, listen, I really feel like we could just keep talking about this think, game. Right. But I feel like I want people to play it and experience it. I also think you and I need to finish it and then talk about if we think, you know, it resolved in the same way, but here's the thing, like my like TLDR, like final thoughts and then please give yours is that this game is super fun to play. It's absolutely breathtaking to look at. I think narratively it's doing some interesting things, but it's falling a bit short to where other RPGs are but they make that up with how fun the ranged combat is. They've brought melee combat against human characters to a better place, but it still falls short of where other games are. But that's because this game is clearly set on their ranged mechanics, and I have zero problems with that because the ranged combat is so fun. The diversity of machines is there, but they also bring back just enough of what you love from the first game to make you feel comfortable at home. Overall, did it hit all of my expectations? 100%. I cannot wait to go back and keep playing more of this game. As I said on Twitter, it's the only game I've played since my baby was born that literally keeps me up until one or 2 a.m. every night knowing that I'm gonna ha- have to be up literally like three hours later with the baby. <laughs> and I'm willing to suffer through that because this game is just that good.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, mic drop. I really don't know what else I could add to that. I think you pretty much, it's like you're reaching to my brain, and you're like, I'm gonna say what Brit's thinking. (laughs) But yeah, like, I mean, I, I think, I mean, this is a really stupid thing. But like, is this a game of the year contender? Duh. Like, of course it is. And you're already seeing that conversation on Twitter. And it's like, of course it is. Like, it's, it's just
1: Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Though like I, Andrea said. I, I get why it's got an 89 on Metacritic versus mm-hmm. like a 95 or above, though. I get oh, it. Totally, yeah. It's got some things missing. It's got some flaws. But like this game is just so damn fun to play that I, as a gamer, am willing to forgive those things as I go, but look at this thing over here, this gameplay system that I really love and is really cool It's really difficult for an open world game in particular to get those really high 90 scores because there's just too many different systems at work. And I would say, like, this is a must play if you own a PS5, and hopefully it's a must play if you own a PS4. But, you know, we have to wait and see until the game comes out.
0: Yeah. We'll see how that goes. It's, and earlier when I was saying, like, you know, when I recommend, like, what's one game you recommend to someone? It'd be God of War. And I think Horizon for Bed and West is. Uh, it's below that it's not like i think you know we when we both finish god of war it's like masterpiece comes to mind just absolute fucking like masterpiece this isn't on that level but for me it's pretty close because i think what they've achieved from a technological perspective is just like i've never seen anything like so amazing before the dedication and just like it's just mind-blowing how how fucking good it is anyway I'm with Andrea, 100%. I don't think it's like a 10 out of 10, a 9, 9 9.5 out of 10 is like, if I was grading the game, that's probably where I would put it because they dive into too many different, not too many, but, you know, it's an open world game. It's a game that excels in combat. It's a game that has incredible voice acting, incredible relationships, but it falls short from what we expect, a game that has these incredible relationships. Like, we expect it to go a little bit further in terms of, like, customizing that relationship because other games have done it and done it better. So... Too many systems at work to to quote one Andrea Renee, but um, God, yeah, I'm just I'm just so in love with it. If this was the only game I got to play this year, I think I would be pretty content
1: with that. Um, Worth every got, dollar, like every and dollar. More. Yeah. I, th- like to me, I have no doubt this is going to give me as many hours, if not more, as to what I put into Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and I put 150 hours into that game, and obviously they supported that now. I do not anticipate, and you should not, as a listener, anticipate Gorilla supporting Horizon the way that Ubisoft supported Assassin's Creed Valhalla. But I think that what they've created gives you far more value than you even got with Horizon Zero Dawn. And that game was worth every dollar. So Mm. if you liked Horizon Zero Dawn, you will love Horizon Forbidden West. Ah, oh, Feels so good. Talk about a good game. Yeah. 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 Good games are good, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's our new slogan. And we'll eventually like hate ourselves for playing Elden Ring and be like, why did we do this? Oh, I'm we're looking not forward good to enough gamers for
0: this game. Oh, yeah. It's not going to go well, but I'm <laughs> definitely going to give it a shot. But
1: We'll see how it goes. <sighs> I mean, it looks really cool. So, yeah, we're going to give it a shot and then we're going to be like, why? Why didn't we try this hard game? <laughs> Ah. oh boy all right well that's gonna do it for us for this week we hope that you guys enjoyed the show thanks for sticking with us if you made it all the way to the end (laughs) and we look forward to talking to you guys next week bye everybody